Well, hello everyone. Travis Took here. Anthony Martinez here. <laughs> <laughs> we got no script for the day, but I think there's some interesting things to talk about because it's a pretty interesting time. Um, we mostly talk about martial arts, teaching, what we learn, how we apply the lessons of training, you know, to life. But we just had a pretty crazy election that I thought we could uh, have fun and hopefully stir up some controversy <laughs> and some hate. And by the end, maybe we'll be canceled. That should be the goal, right? Well, I think our, our opinions are the most important uh, person that voted for the first time and then someone that can't vote just yet. So I, yeah. I think I think we're, we're qualified on this topic. I think we <laughs> know more than almost everyone, yeah. definitely. Um, you know what I think I noticed the most about election stuff is just the the concept that most of us are familiar with which is called groupthink which is very i think it's very difficult not to fall into that pattern which um you probably know better better than me but that's why there is an electoral college is to try to prevent that's why we don't go by the popular vote it's because when you're in a particular area you're more likely to fall into the patterns of thinking that everyone around you is making popular yeah it's called like rule by the mobocracy so like say that again mobocracy how do you spell it no don't spell it. <laughs> it's mob like rule oh, by mob okay got yeah. you yeah. so you just have a, a large group of people so let's just say um for instance that one state has all uh most of the a, a country's population no that's not here but um if they vote one way just because of influence and and whatever it might be uh they'll sway an entire election uh but i think that's the idea behind the electoral college well I, all the schooling that I've gotten that <laughs> that's taught me that that's more than I know right? <laughs> but that the little I know that that's what I uh, understand and and it does make sense because um, and and I'm not immune to it uh, most of our much of our opinions are formulated by the people around us that are talking yeah and sort of telling us what to think and and if we're not looking at a situation objectively and challenging it uh, because now to challenge it, you know, to challenge certain ideas alone can be can bring about criticism, uh, which I think is crazy. I think every every idea deserves to be challenged. I think you and I are the same, and like even if we agree with somebody, we have to look into it. Like, no, there's no way that they're right. Let let me find a way to um, tell them that they're wrong. We're just like argumentative in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of. I think the uh, the layman term is being a jerk, but, <laughs> but it's true because I, I think it's the only and. And I'm grateful for this way of thinking. And jujitsu has actually helped me with that a lot. Because early on, I learned a set of techniques um, from teachers who were of like a blue belt level, right? That's who we had available to teach us this new art <clears throat> in the 90s, in the late 90s. So there was nothing to challenge because there was only one way to do it. It was the one person who knew something you didn't know. As time goes on, went on, I would learn different ways, and then eventually I would learn very uh, sort of abstract concepts in jiu-jitsu that um, contradicted one another, and I kind of didn't know, I was like, well, which one is right? I really want to believe my old teacher, but this guy's totally legit, and the way he's explaining it, it makes sense, and what I found was both were correct, given a, a particular circumstance, and... And I'm, I'm glad that I adopted that, that mindset because now I take almost nothing um, at face value. Yeah. You know? We were just talking about this a couple of days ago, well, like a couple of weeks ago, where um, I was telling you that you were showing a technique. You think you said it was Sasai. Uh -huh. And it was like, I was 
10, maybe 12. And, uh, and then you challenged him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> you were showing the second like, oh, yeah, you have to make sure that you, uh, you grab here, you do something uh, with your arms. And I'm like, well, Sensei said to do it this way. <laughs> yeah. And now it makes me cringe so much now, but I like that. That reminds me exactly of that. Because um, I'm the same way now. I'm like, okay, yeah. Because I've had kids tell me the same thing. I'm like, oh, Coach Jose showed it this way. I'm like, well, yeah, there's a lot of ways to well, do Coach it. Coach Jose ain't teaching you right now, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, oh, I just re- remember I re- that. <laughs> I remember that moment. And, um,. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, I was like, oh, little sweet eleven-year-old challenging the way I'm doing the technique. <laughs> and then you were like, I was like, well, who showed you? And you were like, oh, Sensei Ernesto, who is an <laughs> Olympic silver medalist. And I was like, oh, well, it's, he's probably right, you know. <laughs> and I think in hindsight, uh, I've seen both versions of that. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I actually, the one that I leaned toward was the one I was teaching. Mm-hmm. And then as I explored the other version, I I now like that actually yeah. better and I think that's very important when you settle on an idea it can be it can be dangerous and on a big political scene it can be obviously dangerous when the whole world is sure that something is right and not willing to challenge it on a on a small level if you're not critiquing your own game over time you're going to fall into a pattern of thinking that the old school is just the best way you know and and there's some charm to that idea. There's some, there's something sort of uh, uh, comforting about knowing that the mentors that taught you many years ago perfected a system, and all you have to do is repeat it. Um, but it's just not the reality of any situation. Mm-hmm. Everything changes over time. There are new methods. Some things either get outdated, or the way that you apply them, I think, changes. So. So what do you think about the elections? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is really cool. I mean, I know now it's like, I wouldn't say necessarily like, like things are unfolding poorly. I think just democracy is going on as it does. But I do think it's cool that so many people went out and voted. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure everyone saw it was like Joe Biden res- received the most votes of any uh, U.S. president-elect. But then right, be- right below that is Donald Trump, who received the second... Uh, the second most ever. Yeah. yeah, so it's like the most voted in election. Um, in yeah, quite- I was going to say, it was, the, it was the most people voting ever. Yeah, so yeah. it's really cool that like the political efficacy behind everyone, so like their, their want to vote is there. So, like my dad, I had him register to vote for the first time. We were just talking about this. Uh-huh. Um, hopefully, uh, he wanted to on his own and not just my convincing. But uh, I, I think you it's bull- really cool. You bullied your father yeah. into voting. That's hilarious. <laughs> I couldn't vote, so I had to do it by proxy. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to next year, uh, where I can register to vote, and then in two years, where I can actually vote, and then the presidential election in four years. But how do you feel, having voted for the first time? Like, do you think you're going to vote again? Yeah, I think I will. You know, I'm. Um, it, it's it's something I've I've never done since I was ever. Right? Mm-hmm. So when I was 18, I didn't do it. And I honestly, I didn't care that much. Yeah. And I and my. People, my family and friends were like, are you insane? It's like your American duty. And I didn't really appreciate that. Um, nor do I appreciate it maybe as much as I ought to. Mm-hmm. But I sort of followed and got into it and decided, okay, I'll, I'll do my part. Um, and, uh, you know, what I, what I find so interesting about it is I'm, I'm, I was, didn't really lean very... I'm not going to say who I voted for because then, you know, that's going to just start <laughs> a, a bunch of comments. But, but what I'll say is uh, I'm, I may be the least 
sure voter yeah. out there, which I think is a, I think you shouldn't be entirely sure. That means you're 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 basically certain of a an imperfect person who's going to come in and, and solve uh, problems that are going on. And while there may be some changes, the reality is most of um, many of our situation in life, we've, we've got to deal with. Whether the person you voted made it into office or they didn't, you wake up, you've got to go to work the next day, and the challenges of your life are going to continue, and you've got to face them uh, and take a lot of responsibility for it. But, um, but it's hilarious because I have, I have family members that um, feel one way and family members that feel the other and friends and they're and they're some of them are so sure of themselves they're so sure that one person is the reincarnate devil mm -hmm. and the other person is the, like the second coming you know and we've and it's like a it's like an you know apocalyptical scene I'm like well there are in a, in a way there are just two people you mm -hmm. know and neither one's perfect but um yeah I, I I like the people watching element of voting oh yeah I, I like interacting with both of those sides like yeah um i don't i think i'm the same way i don't think i i would have chosen either one willfully and um gone uh either way but i really liked interacting with the people that were uh really for one side or the other because i'm just like even if i uh, agreed with them on one part i was like i have to disagree with you because you you think you're so right and you, you're so passionate about that I'm like yeah i just have to disagree <laughs> Well, and what's interesting is when somebody makes a statement like, how could anyone vote for this person? Yeah. And it's like, well, it's like half the country on one side and the other. So it's unlikely that half the country is um, completely ignorant and stupid, and the other half have it all figured out. And what I would like to see more of, although it's maybe a little less entertaining, is people listening to the person who feels differently than them with an open mind and actually maybe questioning whether or not that person has any valid points right and so to make it like a jujitsu example like like the day that you like challenge that move right <laughs> well that happens in jujitsu sometimes people ask questions or even like oh i went to a seminar with you know this person and they did it this way and i think a younger version of me probably would have said like well yeah but we're not doing it that way you know almost allowing the ego to to win the exchange when uh the reality is it's like every every challenge should be should be met you know every challenge should be met like well maybe it's true maybe this is a better way of doing it yeah or maybe this is another way which that's almost always the case but yeah so i think if you're steadfast in a set of ideas and you haven't really looked much into it uh whether you're right or wrong uh you you, you aren't very knowledgeable in what what's going on um, with the idea and you haven't explored the other side so mm -hmm. I think that's something that I do a lot um, jiu-jitsu or not is just when I am looking at a technique or exploring an idea I think I'm more often on the other side of it so mm -hmm. if I'm looking at a sleep I'm like okay how would I defend this yeah uh, or if I'm looking at a um, a philosophical idea I'm like well why does this matter or what, what can be the um, juxtaposition to this but uh, I think just a little bit more of that with our ideas that we hold dear and that are like at the forefront of all the news articles and all of that stuff is a little bit more valuable than just uh, reacting immediately. Well, it's almost certain that <clears throat> the majority of voting decisions or maybe decisions in general 
come from uh, an emotional state, not a logical state. Because we, when we want something to be true, we'll bend reality to make it true. And so when people want <clears throat> to believe that somebody is all good or all bad, they'll gravitate toward the headlines that confirm that without reading the article and without reading the opposition's point of view. And so I would hope that, I mean, I don't know, I'm kind of doubtful. <clears throat> but I have a little pessimism as I get older, but I would hope that maybe a lesson that could be taken from the, this real volatile election <clears throat> is that um, when communication breaks down, everything else breaks down. And so I would hope that, you know, that's what people say, like, you know what, let me just be friends with somebody who's the on the other part, you know, the other party or somebody who's completely different than me. Mm-hmm. And before I try to show them why they're wrong, let me see if there's anything that they could actually teach me. Yeah. I, I think it's funny. Um, like you said, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can read online that's um, either defamatory or confirms any belief that we had. But... Uh, I, I think you can you can answer for me, but a lot of times people what what I see is like whenever they go into a decision or uh, a voting, do you think that one thing really makes a difference, or do you think they had like a group of ideas or a group of media that they they saw that really confirmed everything, and they're like, okay, I'm voting for this person, or do you think it's like they saw one article that switched their view, and then it was like, oh. I, I can't vote for that guy. He's um, whatever it might be. Yeah, I think a lot of people are very <clears throat> sensitive to individual uh, ideas. So if if a candidate doesn't feel the same as they do about one idea, that can be a deal breaker. But in general, it's just I think it's a lot of confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. They want to love or hate someone, and so when they hear about something that perhaps shows that hey your your golden boy is not so great they just kind of look the other way when they really ought to be saying like all right well i didn't know that that makes them a little less qualified but maybe still the better choice but that's i'm not going to ignore that i'm going to calculate that in my decision making process but um i i i really think that you almost have to, when it comes to like judging someone, you have to kind of sometimes remove the feelings you have about um, the first impression and see what what do you think is actually going to happen. Um, and that's hard to do because first impressions or just personalities can clash. Like I like it's very easy to understand why people hate Trump from a personality standpoint, and it's it's easy for people to not pay much respect I think to Biden because of his kind of you know he seems a little bit slow-witted when he talks things like that but those are superficial compared to what you should actually be voting for um, but we don't do that we we judge emotionally how do we feel about this person you know I so I really like politics uh, that's something that I might go into I, I am thinking about Martinez for president. (laughs) Yeah, vote for me. (laughs) Um, But when it comes to kind of like the spectacle of politics, Uh um, like the campaign slogans, the the video clips of someone having a gaffe or whatever uh, it is, I I think, I mean, that's fun, like to see, I think, um, 
if you're viewing it from the outside and you're like, oh, that was funny. Um, oh, I, I see that over there. But um, so in Congress, uh, if you watched like the Amy Coney Barrett trial, mm -hmm. not trial, uh, Senate hearing, where they were confirming her or seeking to confirm her. Grilling her. Grilling her. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Um, there was cameras there. Yeah. So Congress people had uh, the weight of a camera on them to kind of make a spectacle if they had the, uh, the goal of maybe seeking higher office or making a name for themselves. Yeah. Um, but then, like in the judiciary and the Supreme Court, there is no, there are no cameras. Mm -hmm. uh, there, are, there are occasionally sketch artists that'll paint out the picture. But I think it's really cool if, if you've listened to like, sort of the arguments uh, for both sides, like why there should be cameras in um, for the judicial branch or why there shouldn't be. It's like one side saying, "Oh, it's a great educational tool." Yeah. I, I, I think that that's that's true and then on the other side they're saying like well same thing you're going to make a spectacle out of the, the judiciary process um and i'm not saying that that necessarily is what happened in the amy coney barrett um uh, senate hearing but i think it opens up the window to make things a lot more uh polarized because mm -hmm. I, I hate that word too because at one point i was like well how are things polarized if just about half of the country is voting for one person and just about uh half is voting for the other side but like what that means is just that the elector the electorate or the the malleable electorate the part that is actually swayable to no. one side or the other is um shrinking right so less and less people are um can can either go back and forth more people are set in who they're voting for so i, I think that opens up the window to be a little bit more free mm -hmm. um in the way that you express ideas like you said it's like it's hard to sort of challenge an idea even if you're just curious uh, without someone saying like, "Well, you can't, you can't ask that because," or like, "What do you mean by that?" Yeah, it's like sometimes you just mean I'm curious. Yeah, it's like it's hard to not make someone uncomfortable whenever you're asking really important questions mm -hmm. because it's important to someone at least. Because yeah. if it's important, then someone values it, and if someone values it, then it it feels personal whenever you um, challenge those ideas. Right. Uh, same thing whenever you thought I was challenging your Sasai technique. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I think I handled it pretty well and then I went home and like yelled into a pillow. And it was it was like the one day that my dad comes in, uh, came in uh, and he saw it and I was like, God. And I, I think you have me do like 20 burpees, which is... I didn't make you do burpees Yes, you did. Really? Yeah. So you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, that part I didn't mind, but the fact that my dad was there, I was like, oh, God, I messed up. I uh, finally <laughs> came to watch you, and you blew it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't do that in politics. <laughs> yeah. We'll replay that clip forever. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so how would you solve the... Um, this is your first, uh, your first challenge as um, someone This is a campaign office. video in a couple years. How it, it, it might really help me. Be, that would be super cool. So how would you solve the can the can the camera conflict? I don't know if it, like... I don't know if it's necessarily a problem, like, uh, making it a spectacle. I just think being aware of that is important. Like, that, that's my, uh, my view on just about like any charade that's that's put on it's like well understand where that person's coming from understand what the intention is behind the action so when someone says um like repeats a campaign slogan as part of their um their questioning mm -hmm. in a sedent in hearing they're like okay that was a political statement yeah um, and i think it should be taken as such uh but i would say that that's not necessarily the space for it, but I understand the, the politicking behind it. Uh -huh. um, but I think that's why I like the judicial branch a little bit more, because it's 
it's less politics and it's just straightforward um, government. It, it's uh, civics. You have your, your constitution and it goes by that. Yeah. Um, it's the behind the scenes that's the most important but the least interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, least interesting. Well, no, no, <laughs> interesting to you, but in terms of people who are out there voicing their opinions on matters that they may or may not be you know fully aware of yeah. and they're certainly not aware of what's happening behind the scenes um they want to see the politicians butting heads yeah and they again want... political science experts here uh <laughs> that's this is, right this, this is our take on it <laughs> i think we sound i think we could fool a lot of people <laughs> we're, we're using big words and i i think moving forward a lot of uh, our ideas should be applied here uh <laughs> it's like right. vote for me. so how do you do this it's your, okay so you're gonna be voted for one day and you uh, I think you're saying what a lot of um, you know future politicians think in terms of I don't want to be that slogan guy that sells out uh, I want to stick to my values but it's hard to climb that ladder yeah. without like I feel not that I you know know but I feel like a lot of these how many politicians climb up that high that don't have a lot of dirt on them that they got while stepping over some other people and sort of cheating the system a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can see some things as dirt. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, what a great answer! I prefer to call it uh, sandy feet. <laughs> it's just a bit of dust you can brush off the top. But, great politician <laughs> answer, Anthony. But, uh... <laughs> and I endorse this message. Uh, yeah. No, not, no. <laughs> but I think, um... Like there are just there are ways to climb the ladder quicker than other ways, but being in politics, uh, there are a lot of factors that you have to weigh that are outside of yourself mm. because you have to get voted. You have to get voted in. So there's like the elector, and depending on who you're uh, representing, it's like either a small constituency. So like uh, let's just say like a representative. I mm. think here is um, McCall. So he needs to make sure that he is. Um, sort of representing the ideals or uh, everything that people in his district want. Yeah. If not, he's not being re-elected. So he has that to weigh along with his own personal interests. Let's say he wants to seek higher office, yeah. then he has to seek out more high-profile either um, committees within Congress or whatever it might be. So there, there are those two balancing acts. And like, if you do too much personal interest, you're going to get voted out and you've lost your political power yeah I don't I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to be selfish mm -hmm. but to be selfish in the right way that benefits others yeah it's like um, you could say that um, either of us are selfish for training five days a week or, or more mm -hmm. because we're, we're spending so much time on our on our on ourselves but then we go back and then we teach classes and we do all that but all the while when we're training we're still helping our teammates and it, it's it's really it's like the word um, consequence. It's like mm. it has a negative connotation. Like, oh, uh, what was the consequence of that action? It sounds like it's something. Um, the consequence usually people think of something yeah. bad. Yeah, but a consequence could be either just um, the effect of something that's occurred. Mm. So I, I, th I think that's kind of how I look at being selfish. It's like there's a good type of selfish and then a, a bad type. There's like a conceited. Well, there's also uh, I think. It's very important to, and this may be the most selfish idea of all, but I, I do believe you, you must take care of yourself before you're adequately prepared to help others. And 
I met my grandmother when she was alive. Uh, she was a very evangelical woman, very, very religious, very passionate, and just one of the best people I've ever known. And um, but into her later years, she, she, uh, you know, she never had a lot of money, but she would always give it to the worst like preachers on TV, like the ones that are going to be like arrested for tax evasion the next year. <laughs> she just couldn't get enough, you know, of them. And I remember I was like, you know, maybe save some of that, build it up, allow, you know, create something that could grow. And then you could actually, you know, do even more with it. And I think there are some personality types that have trouble with the idea. They're so giving that the idea that they ever put themselves first in any, any category, health, financial, personal passions, feels wrong and so they're they just want to help others and so but they actually can never fully reach a point where they could um maximize their ability because they're always spreading themselves too thin and so so like that empathy and then lack thereof something that i've always thought and it's, it's nothing that i've um, read about or or anything like that but do you think with age that kind of leaves i know that goes against what you just said about your your grandmother mm -hmm. but like, with age, do you think that empathy kind of goes away? Because, like, when I see someone, like, on the corner, like, my friend's instinct is like, oh, man, let me give them some yeah. change or whatever. Um, but then I, I've known older people, they're like, oh, well, I, I'm sure they, they have the capacity to um, do work or... Um, sure. They're, like, they're not as uh, empathetic when it comes to that situation in specific, but that's just something I've always associated, like, as you're younger, you're more empathetic, and then as you get older, you kind of lose that um, for whatever reason. You know, uh, I think the answer is yes sometimes, and it depends. <laughs> you know, because I've even I've read about that because um, I've known people, older people that are completely different than each other, and it's evident that some of them kept reading and learning as they age, even into their 80s. They're still learning and ch and and willing to change their ideas on something, and in many ways they can they could follow a conversation with a young intellectual crowd because they're they're with it and then there's someone that clearly stopped learning at high school adopted set views and becomes more cynical over time because the world changes and it doesn't conform to their worldview and that's a bad place to be so I think it the answer is it depends mm -hmm. it depends on the choices you make over time I think it's natural as you get older just biologically um, you know, you, you slow down, and that can be a little frustrating, mm -hmm. especially, especially like, I just, like, had this surgery. This makes me grumpy because I can't train, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, mentally, I'm willing to work as hard. I'm willing to do all the stuff I did when I was younger, but now physically, I've got to be aware that things are going to be more susceptible to... So I think there are, there are, um, there are changes that naturally make you a little more grumpy as you perhaps age mm -hmm. and, and it makes sense that um, as you get older there's going to be more of those also the longer you live the more people and pets you know that are going to pass away and that can be you know tough when you're young I don't you know when you're young the first family member that passed away a grandparent or something it's like you've never experienced that before it's like it's sad but you know you you kind of appreciate it and as you get older it, it kind of can become like Oh well, there's it's another one. I'm getting older, people around us, you know. So, I, I I think the only antidote to that is you have to practice gratitude and you have to keep learning. Because the more you learn, the more curious you are, and you always feel like a child at heart. But yeah, so 
Those are, yes. So old Those people are, are evil and pessimistic. That's what I gathered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't you tell me how to do that society, boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that started your trend downward. <laughs> Pretty much. That's when my hair started thinning and this arm started getting weak. Yeah, you hit it before I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, always a dissatisfaction. I mean, pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been down here three times. Not because you wanted me to, because nobody else would do it. No one else would do it. They're like, ah, oh, you really suck at this. Get the kid. He's naive. He thinks you're good. <laughs> well, I don't know if we solved any world problems, but I well, thought this was pretty interesting. I think we've enlightened just about everyone who will watch this. As like the, nine people. As the, <laughs> as the political scientists we are. Uh, um, but, yeah, don't think, don't take our word too, too strongly. Uh, but I would say, read a lot more. Um, even if you're already reading a lot, you, just, you can always read more. Uh, that's something that I definitely, when it comes to politics, cause it's just so, so, so much. That's something that I, I really like. Um, now, it just so happens to be that I'm in a government class this uh, <laughs> election cycle, yeah. so I think it, it works out perfectly. But um, I think like we hit it on, on the head, like just continue to learn. Um, we don't know everything. We barely know some things, <laughs> but um, I'm not I, sure if we know those things. Certain things. I I know he made me do burpees for the the society. And I know you deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, continue to learn. I think that's very important. I think watching these is and making these is cool because it it starts a conversation, and then you can go on and then look up anything that you'd like. Especially now because you can just type it up on your fingers. What do you think about that? Not that, that that's probably another hour conversation that we don't have time for, but um, pros and cons at information at your fingertips in today's world. I mean, overall, I think it's very beneficial. I think not going to an encyclopedia whenever you needed to know something and then having that encyclopedia be dated mm -hmm. um, is a lot more helpful now and not having to carry all those all those books. I think there's a lot of space for misinformation. Yeah. And I, I think that's just the next step of, I don't think you get rid of that. Right. I think you just become aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's, I think it'll get better and better and better. But I think there's, I think right now, an understandable uh, reliability among certain sources. Mm -hmm. um, but I think on the, on the opposite end of that, it's like, since we know that information can be manipulated and all that, we're very um, critical when it comes to anything that we haven't seen before, especially if it goes against anything that we believe, like, yeah. like we've been talking about. Like if it comes from a source that we haven't necessarily heard of, mm -hmm. but it might not um, be something that's attempting to misinform or anything like that. It's just something that we haven't quite seen. And like, oh, there's no way that's right because it doesn't confirm what I believe and it's also from... A uh, source that I, I haven't quite looked into. Um, like, I think a good example is Wikipedia. Like, yeah. growing up in school, like teachers always say, don't use Wikipedia, you'll, um, you'll find misinformation. But I think that's kind of grown um, yeah. out mm -hmm. just because of the, the size of the Internet and then just the use of the Internet. It's like, anytime you Google something, go down a couple pages and you'll find a random article that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I think the only um, <clears throat> the downside I agree is the the potential for misinformation. But there's also, I think and I know I'm guilty of this is we don't um, respect maybe as much as we should 
generations that had to go to the library mm -hmm. and had to wait for information. And we have it at our fingertips. And sometimes we just believe that it's, here's the truth, it's instant. Uh, we, can, we can find out everything you learn in a lifetime in like five minutes by just finding any article that there was. Um, so you think that like appreciation of information? I think the gratitude for it doesn't exist mm -hmm. and it should. I think the, and I think it's one reason why in, in many ways this is the best generation civilization that's ever existed in terms of longevity and uh, access to help and things like that. And but, but if you're born into it, you don't understand what it was like to be alive um, just a few decades ago and anyone from a few decades ago doesn't understand what it was like to live at a time when people just had to survive. I mean, could you imagine like living at a time when you were going to probably die around 50 and it was going to suck. It was going to be a bad death, you know, <laughs> go back a couple hundred years. But and so now it's just like, no, this is this is how the world always is. Catch up older people. Just be like this. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, no, we it was harder for us to acquire information. If we wanted to, we had to go get a library card. And there were no like videos. You had to watch the one of two channels on TV. And so I I really think um, back to the previous point. What's very important, more maybe more now than ever, is that you find time to just, I would say, maybe meditate or focus on gratitude. Because gratitude was forced upon you back in the day when you had, you know, eight kids and half of them died of disease. And that's just how <laughs> life was. It just was like that. Now it's just like that's just such a rare, you know, thing to happen. Um, and so... I think that's what everyone can benefit from and even the person who you politically oppose and hate will just have gratitude that somebody disagrees with you and you get to have a stimulating conversation you know so we're a decade apart roughly yeah. so thanks for pointing <laughs> yeah a little more actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, you know more than i do about almost everything <laughs> except for judo throws yeah <laughs> so i i'm just interested in this on the size like how was it when you were little? Like, how did what did you do to get information? Um, I just didn't do good in school. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, pretty traditional. I wasn't an outstanding student or anything. So, um, it was uh, television, some reading. I mean, I didn't read much back then, um, and just and, and most most of the information just came from word of mouth rumors that were mostly false, and you just come to believe these kind of urban tales and then sometimes it wasn't until I was older I was like oh that's that's not true I can't believe it I grew up knowing that and generations before passed these ideas down and and maybe they started to protect kids you know from from something dangerous and it became like just true in its own sense and you have to find uh, a source of information that you know challenges your long-held belief but I'll, I'll say one thing to kind of just redirect a little bit well uh, one thing that was different was you appreciated time with friends I think a little more because you didn't get to see them on FaceTime and you couldn't talk to them on the phone whenever you wanted and there was no internet so you would see them at school that's when you would interact with people was at school and then I had like my, my best friend growing up like we get off the bus together and we both had to go home but it was like hey call me and so we go home and you had to get permission from your parents to wait for the landline to be available to call right and so you would just cherish that time because you knew it was fleeting you couldn't do it forever there was no texting it, it didn't even it wasn't even a thing that existed you know um 
And so you just had these long, like, conversations on the phone. Sometimes on the weekends, you'd stay up to, like, four in the morning talking to your friend just about whatever it is that you're going through. And I think the sort of the, the clutter of everything today allows enough distractions that nothing is that appreciated in that way. Because if, if you're like my closest friend and we're talking and you leave, I can immediately distract myself with technology. And so I, although that might create more permanent loneliness, it's temporarily less lonely. So I think that's the, the difference. And, and adults aren't immune to it. You have adults like me and even older that grew up without a phone. They get one, they fall right into the same trap of what can I do? You know, what's happening today? So that was a big difference. I'm, I'm so, I am grateful that I grew up with both. Because I agree, it's better that everybody is educated and that women in third world countries can see that there are other pathways, you know, and they're there, they can be educated, and they can learn that, whereas before it was not even an option. So all that's great, um, but I'm glad I had the time where I saw what it was like to not have that and try to blend those two ideas. So you think you're better than everyone else? I'm better than you, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I think we've proven that we're both political experts and uh, tech experts. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've, we've solved all the problems of the world. Just about all of them. I think one more video with me will... Uh, yeah. Well, we'll you're not going to be my them. vice president one day. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well... I think we've. Uh, I think that's enough. We should. We should do another one. There's a lot more here. This is fun. <laughs> All right, guys. Bye bye. See you next time.